everybody. Um, Saturday, we just we finished the online retreat yesterday, um, which was unexpectedly successful. I, I think for everybody involved, it felt much more um, intimate that you would have, than you would have expected from something online. Uh, and I hope everybody got the email about uh, what we're calling Crosby. But what, what, what was Crosby is now going to be an online retreat. And um, I really encourage you to join up if you can, if you can find the time. It was excellent. And but what came out of it, really, there were three really good talks from John Swigan and from Karen and from Tony. And um, each of them was really about, I think, finally, keeping the practice really simple and being who we are. Um, and, and although we all use the same practice and keeping it simple, we are also intrinsically different. And I just, I was, um, I just wanted to share something with you that I read last night and then maybe talk a little about the implications of it. But um, unexpectedly, it's from uh, Middlemarch by George Eliot, which I'm reading again. Um, she writes so wonderfully well, and so with such precision, and also has got the human condition down to a key, uh, to a T, sorry. Anyway, this, uh, what's going on is that Dorothea, who's the independent, rather um, unconventional, but spiritual sister, the two sisters, it's two sisters, uh, and Celia, who's her younger sister, and is more uh, of the world, if you like, and, um, but also a bright, intelligent young woman. Uh, they've been left, their mother's died, and she's left them a box of jewellery. And they haven't opened it for a long time, and Dorothy, Celia really wants to open it because she'd like to wear some of the jewellery. Whereas Dorothy is not keen, you know, she's not materialistic at all. Anyway, they do open the, um, the box of jewels and in it there's a, um, <clears throat> there's a cross, a beautiful cross uh, that, to wear around your neck. And because Celia knows that Dorothea has a spiritual inclination, she says to Dorothea, why don't you take the crucifix or the cross? And um, Dorothea replies, not for the world, not for the world. A cross is the last thing I would wear as a trinket. And Dorothea shuddered slightly. Then you will think it wicked in me to wear it, said Celia, uneasily. No, dear, no, said Dorothea, stroking her sister's cheek. Souls have complexions too. What will suit one will not suit another. Souls have complexions too. What will suit one will not suit another. And that seems to me to really sum up wonderfully, really, that all our souls have complexions and they're all different. Um, and they're all unique and they're all important. Um, and what certainly when we start practice, I think we all aspire to something um, some imagined perfect or perfectible vision of ourselves, um, which is often founded on some concept or idea 
and, and not to do with the uniqueness of the complexion of our own soul. Um, and I've <clears throat> I'll read you something I've written, and and then and this was some time ago, and you may be. Um, from, for, uh, you may remember it, but I also want to align it with something that I read by Barry Majid as well, which happily for me synchronizes almost completely with what I wrote. And so, you know, two people have been in practice a long, long time. Um, although I wouldn't at all compare myself with Barry Majid, who I really admire. Anyway, uh, I've, <clears throat> I'll just read you what I've written. I've headed it, being yourself is a messy business. You can spend the rest of your days attempting to become some imagined perfect person. But I recommend you don't waste your life striving to become some unattainable version of yourself. You will never reach the place of perfection, and that's perfectly all right. The path to perfection will only lead to exhaustion and disappointment. Meanwhile, your actual life will be passing you by. The more peaceful and practical approach is simply to be yourself at every moment. Accept that this being human is a messy business and learn to be okay with getting your hands dirty. There is no actual happiness to be found in always trying to be someone else at some future time. Because the fact is, you'll never quite get there. Why not instead show up fully right here, right now, and allow yourself to let go of the idea that who you are that who you are already isn't enough. And realize this deep acceptance is the path to freedom. And then I went on, this is an old piece, but I'd like to read it to you about impermanence and how it took me a long time to really take, uh, embrace, you know, really take on board impermanence. Slowly I learned that nobody's life, and not even the Buddha's, is free of problems. And the Dharma does not promise such a place. Instead, liberation for me comes from embracing life as it is, including all its passions and delusions. This also involves me appreciating this life and recognizing that it is precious in and of itself. <clears throat> My understanding of the Buddha's great realization is that life is at all times in a state of dynamic flow, and freedom comes from giving up a craving for permanence and entering the free flow of this great life. <clears throat> the way is to surrender to this reality, which is in fact our true nature. Reality, whether we see it or not, is what's here now on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. By ongoingly aligning myself with the flow of life and forgiving myself for the many times I fail, I have gradually become more peace with impermanence. <clears throat> it is still a struggle, and hence the blessing of a Sangha as a refuge, but the upside has been that life now arises as more a fascinating show than a problem to be solved. Um, <clears throat> and this is what Barry Masjid says. In fact, 
The fact is, the deeper we allow practice to penetrate into our core beliefs and our fantasies of gain and ultimate perfectibility, the more our practice will disappoint us. Because at the deepest level, neither practice nor life is going to be what we want them to be. As someone once said, there is no reason to believe that when we discover the truth, it will turn out <laughs> interesting. When we go looking for the truth, we all carry along some picture of what we want it to look like, but the truth isn't interested in our pictures. <clears throat> we will always remain embodied, mortal, living in a world of right and wrong, good and bad, life and death. That's where we live and that's where we need to function. We will always remain embodied, mortal, living in a world of right and wrong, good and bad, life and death. That's where we live and that's where we need to function. What do you think? Does that sound like a pessimistic view or experience or does it feel more positive? Does it give you a feeling of, of, uh, of, um, of a willingness to really embrace who you are and recognize your own uniqueness and your own value? Or does it kind of disappoint a bit because there isn't any uh, wonderful sunny golden meadow at the end of the road? that you can inhabit permanently and feel wonderful every day. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Feel free, be, be uninhibited. I, I think it's a bit of both, David. Okay. I think it's an encouragement, um, an encouragement to, uh, to kind of accept where you are now and to and a reminder to keep doing that. Um, I think um, sometimes our, our, our goals, our kind of perfections that we're heading for, they're a bit precious to us occasionally, aren't they, you know? Yeah, yeah. and you know, absolutely keep heading for them. This, this isn't, this, there's always the paradox that the best place to start to go somewhere else is right where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, but that doesn't mean that there isn't wonderful places to journey to. Yeah, but yeah, thank you, Lee. Thank you for that. Thank you. Hi, Roshi. Hi, Giles. Um, I just just wanted to say, um, yeah, they're beautiful words. Thank you. Um, yeah, quite touching. Um, and to me, they, it, that, that kind of way of seeing things, it, it's sort of um, so like a sort of sobering relief. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what, that's what, how I feel, I think. Um, yeah, I love that sobering relief. What comes to mind is I hope you're intoxicated by the sobering relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. Because <laughs> that's, I think that's ultimately, you know, what we would all like to feel intoxicated by life. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it, it's got its ups and downs. And I mean, yeah. Um, it's very, very precious and 
yesterday I was bitten on the ass by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and it had sharp teeth. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you never know the minute, do you? No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Giles. Thanks. Karen? Karen, thank you. Um, thank you for those words, um, all of them. Um, and, and for me, it, the, those, all those words just feel real, really. They just feel real. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They feel real as well, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, Miranda, hi. 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 Um it's um it's really refreshing to hear what you said about simplicity. Simple just being ourselves, you know, um, and also I find it particularly helpful to think to notice the impermanence because it's uh, it as Charles said it's a relief, but also sometimes it it means things pass on and that's a good thing because you're not enjoying where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, as well, <laughs> yeah. It just makes it, makes it easier to accept it really because it. It's changing all the time and just yeah. got to uh, I could just learn to relax a bit into that that's again a wish to be different I realize that but uh, it's learning to accept it is is part of what it's about I think yeah you, yeah and it's it's so layered Miranda because as you say you know you want to you want to kind of Avoid it sometimes, and, and that's that's part of the deal as well. <laughs> it's all it's all grist to the mill, yeah. Yeah. Even the mill's grist to the mill. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sheila. Sheila, hi. There you are. Oh, there you are. I've done it. Um, yeah, the words that come to my mind is, yeah, uh, uh, wonderful what you said, but do I dare, do I dare to do it? It's it's scary. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is scary to let go of, of, of um, hope, I suppose. But, you know... Kempo Roche used to say hopelessness was the most free place to be because then you were moving back and forth, you know, you, you could move without um, the condition of expecting some outcome. But yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard to take. This is a tough practice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We lost you again, Sheila. You've... No, that's, that's, I was just then, that was, that was it, as far as I was. Okay, thanks. Thank you. I love brief and short. Thanks. <laughs> I'm um, Joe. I, I, I'm just. I was just thinking of the Irish joke that you know when somebody asked the directions of an Irishman, he said, 
this is not a good place to start. <laughs> and uh, th 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 that's how we all, like, we think where we are is not a good place to start. <laughs> but it's the only place to start. Just right where we stand, it's the only place to start. Yeah. David? <clears throat> yeah, for me, uh, thanks for that. Yeah, it's largely a feeling of relief when I hear it, but a real struggle to accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, David. That's, yeah. And you know, you don't have to accept it either. <laughs> you can, um, what was it, Ken's phrase that John uses a lot? Uh, a non-winnable lawsuit with the reality. So is that right, Jess? I've forgotten the phrase. Yeah, that's it, yeah. An unwinnable lawsuit with reality. Well, look, it's a, it's a gorgeous day here. I'm sure it's a gorgeous day for you. So I'm hoping it is for everywhere. And I know it is for Monica in Spain. So yeah. So why don't we all finish off and go off and have a nice day. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.